0: I want to welcome you today to the first message uh, in our new summer series about the end times. And uh, so if, uh, would you jump ahead on the screen to uh, all the way down to living in the end times. It's about six, six or so or seven down there. If you would do that. Thank you. Excellent. We're living in the end times. I believe that firmly. But I have to say, I have believed that every day since Jesus ascended into heaven, the day of Pentecost, the church has lived in the end times. I think the tenor of Scripture about the end times tells us that we are to live and believe and respond to God knowing that we're in the end times. Every generation, every part of the church. Because what Jesus says about the end times is pretty amazing about how He wants us to live. The end times is a very special place in any study of prophecy. If you've been around here since the uh, middle of January, we began a series about prophecy of the Bible and scriptures about prophecy. Prophecy. And we've talked about different prophets of the Old Testament and how God has used them in order to speak to us. About 25% of the Bible you could call prophecy, meaning that it's written and prophets' names are attached to the books. And about 25 or a quarter of the Bible is about prophecy. End times is a very important part of that section of the Scripture. So if you think about the Bible being about 25% prophecy, and then of that, there are thought to be about, uh, uh, about oh, I, I read the percentage, I remember now what it was, 4% of the Bible is about the end times. At least that's what the scriptures and the stories that you find there are specifically about the future end events of the days of the church and the second coming of Christ. Those are very important passages, very important scriptures, and they're, they're highly valuable to our faith and why and what we want to learn from the Bible about what it says of the end times. Another name for the end times, you may have come across this word before. It's kind of a theological word, but it's one also that people who study the Bible, they call it eschatology. That's a study of the last times, the last things eschatology. And there's a whole lot to study and think about from the scripture about that. There's so much for us when we spend time in these scriptures and in these stories. There's a lot for us to study and learn. There's also a lot for us to ponder and think about the magnitude of the magnificence of God and the variety of, the, uh, of God's Uh, the almost infinite variety of how he thinks and what he's planned for. More Christian books are written about eschatology in the end times than any other subject of the Christian faith. You think, wow, that's kind of a statement to make, but I've read that before, that if you would go into a Christian bookstore, and that was a few years ago, maybe it's different, but I, I, I doubt that it's much different. There's a lot of interest in the end times. There's a lot of people that think about it, they're curious about it, they're interested in it, they, they know there's different opinions and viewpoints about different things in eschatology and we all have a lot of questions. We wonder what's going to happen and what about today and how do the events of today affect and impact what's going to happen as God brings about and he reveals, he pulls the curtain back on the end of time as we be able to see more. Well, this morning I want us just to to start an introduction into this series of the end times. And I want to say a few things this morning as a kind of introductory thought about how we view the end times. And what does God want to say to us during this time? Because it is, to me, it's a fascinating subject. And I know it is for many of you. you you've you read about it. You've read different thoughts and people that have written about it. And you, you have ideas and And all of us kind of have different pictures in our minds of what the end times mean. And why do we study that? Well, we're going to pick that up again. Today's going to be an introduction. And uh, then we're going to come back three weeks later and then kind of start the series from there. You might wonder, well, why are we waiting three weeks? Or why are we doing it today instead of waiting? Well, for one thing, I've been so anxious about starting this series that I have a Sunday here that we can and I I would love to just put some things out there and give you an opportunity for those that are interested to think about the scripture that I'm going to give you today and over the next three weeks be able to read it and think about it. It's not one of those scriptures you read quickly as a story. It's more scripture that you read and you say, God, what are you saying to me about that? And so uh, we have graduation Sunday next week and we got a Sunday that I plan to preach. I've been planning to preach about masculinity. Actually, the week before Father's Day, and I want to preach about what the Bible says about a godly man and godly teenagers and young people and boys. And that's been on my heart. And, and then the next Sunday will be our Vacation Bible School program. After that, then I'm planning for us to come back to this subject of the end times and kind of launch into that for the future. <coughs> um, We begin with the words of Jesus Himself. It would take a long time to exhaust a study of what Jesus said about the end times. There's a man named Stephen Manley. Many of you know that name. He's an evangelist. He came here many years ago. Stephen Manley is an evangelist in the Church of the Nazarene. He's 79 years old now. He's preaching at our family camp in New Jersey in a couple of weeks. And he's a a great preacher. I've heard him preach many times. Um, Stephen Manley said that he could spend his entire ministry in the Scripture that we're going to read part of today. That's what he said and felt about Matthew chapter 24. It's an incredible chapter. It's an incredible part of Scripture. And I'm going to invite you there in a few minutes. And we're going to look at it and listen to part of it straight from the Master Himself. What did Jesus say to us about it? Straight from the Son of God. Straight from the One who Died on the cross and rose from the dead. And what does he say about the end times? There's several scriptures where Jesus talks about it, but we're going to focus mostly on Matthew chapter 24 today. Before we do that, I do want to invite you, if you have a Bible, to turn to John chapter 14. I want to read three very familiar verses from John chapter 14, verses 1 through 3. I bet if you're a Christian or you've been in the church very much, you have read this scripture and you have heard this Scripture over and over again. John chapter 14, verses 1 through 3. This is also Jesus talking about His second coming. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in Me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I, have to, I would have told you, and I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with Me, that you also may be with me where I am. Many of you recognize this beautiful scripture, the words of Jesus. I've read this scripture many, 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 many times in this church family. I've read this scripture probably, I counted uh, about a month ago, about 17 times last year. I think I read this scripture in, if not all, almost every funeral that I had an opportunity to be a part of. This scripture is so meaningful to me when I think about what Jesus said about death. What Jesus said happens when we take our last breath. And so this scripture is about Jesus telling us what happens when we die. It is, I believe, Jesus' words of truth and future for every believer. So in a sense, when I read John chapter 14, 1 through 3, I believe Jesus is teaching us and telling us about the end of time. He's telling us certain promises that every one of us who believe in Jesus and have accepted Him as Lord and Savior can hold on to in this life. We can hold on to it for ourselves in the journey of life, which has ups and downs, and we can come back to it and we can hold on to it when someone that we love dies. And we have a lot of questions and we don't understand and we hurt and we grieve and we wonder, we have so many questions for God about death and why and when. But John chapter 14, 1 to 3 to me is Jesus speaking to us about death. He's speaking to us about those that we love and that pass away. Jesus is working. He tells us in these verses, he's working on our behalf. Every believer, Jesus is somehow in heaven at the right hand of the Father preparing something. How it is that Jesus is preparing in heaven, I don't know, but that's what He tells us. I go to prepare a place for you. I go to prepare a place for all my children. And if I go and prepare a place, He says, I will come back and receive you to Myself. That's why when I think about funerals and I think about people that have died who are Christians, believers, I just see it like this when we... Take our last breath. Jesus is right there at the door. And he's already reaching across that doorway and waiting for us to take our last breath. He knows when the last second is, the last breath is, the last brainwave, whatever it is. And he's reaching across and he just takes us right into eternity, into a place that he has prepared for us. That to me is such a beautiful picture that he gives us of his eternal hand on every one of us. That is a part of what He teaches us about the end of time. His promises to take us into eternity. He's promising in these words His eternal presence with us. His eternal presence. He's promising, I will be with you. I will take your hand at death. And I will forever, forever be with you. We only speculate about what it's like to be in the presence of Jesus. And sometimes we think about that or talk about that or we express what we... But imagine what Jesus is promising here. He's saying, I will be with you forever and ever and ever and ever. What an incredible promise. These words of Jesus are about those who die now. I believe that have died since the beginning of the church. And up until the time that He comes back in the rapture, He's describing his relationship to us. He's saying, I'm going away, but I'm preparing a place and I will come back for you. But also Jesus is is uh, speaking to us in John chapter 14 about the rapture. That every believer someday will be taken by him to heaven, to the place that he's prepared for them. Whether it's in a few days, a few years, a long time, a short time, Jesus has promised that he will take us to be with him forever and that's a beautiful promise and then in Matthew chapter 24 and 25 which I want to spend a few more minutes on today in this introduction I want to bring some things to your attention from this incredible scripture Matthew chapter 24 to 25 if you would go to that slide I I would appreciate it we have Jesus great teaching about the end times here these two chapters to me are powerful together There're two different chapters. Almost all of chapter 24 is Jesus teaching about the timing and circumstances about the end of time. But at the end of chapter 4 he tells a parable, and then chapter 25 he tells three more parables. All four of those parables are closely tied to what he says in chapter 24 about the end times. Jesus great teaching, he is clear, he is direct. He is instructive. And another word that I want to use to describe Matthew chapter 24 is the urgency with which Jesus tells us to be aware of the end of time. These words are important. They are compelling to me. When I read Matthew chapter 24, I am compelled to step back and say, wow, when will this be? And what's going to be happening at this time? And what do I need to be doing during this time? And I think especially as we ask God, what does he want from us now? Matthew chapter 24 is so important. When we say to God in our hearts, God, it's 2021, how do you want me to live? What do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? What do you want to be important to me? And then, how are we to live in light of the future second coming of Jesus? How do I live today? What I'm trying to say. The second coming teaching in the Bible is about how we live today. That's what it's given to us for. What does God want us to think about today? Well, when He gives us His truth about the future, He's speaking to us about our lives today. If you have your Bible, I'm just going to read from the first three verses of Matthew 24, and then I'm going to read several other verses in a little bit. Matthew Chapter 24, if you just want to follow along these three verses, this is the context of this great passage, 24 and 25. Jesus left the temple and was walking away when his disciples came up to him to call his attention to the buildings. Do you see all these things, he asked? Truly I tell you, not one stone hill would be left on another. Everyone would be thrown down. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him, and I think this next word is key privately. Tell us, they said, when will this happen, and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? You have in chapter 24 several themes, several bylines that lead into what Jesus says. One is the temple. The temple will be destroyed in 70 AD, some 35, 40 years after Jesus is gone. And Jesus seems to be a couple of times in his ministry referring to that and telling the disciples, you see this magnificent temple, but I want you to know it won't be here much longer. It will be gone. And then you have Jesus specifically talking about another event that I will call the rapture. And he's talking about a time when he's going to come and take every believer that Uh, at that time are Christians, and he's going to take them to glory. And he's going to take those that are in the graves, and they will come out of the graves. And he's talking about the end of times when the final judgment takes place and most of the events that we find in the book of Revelation. So Matthew chapter 24, as I read it, is a combination of several important things that will be going on that Jesus is referring to and talking about. The context of Matthew chapter 24. Number one, we know that it's two days before Jesus dies on the cross. We're told here that it was at the time two days ahead before the Passover. So we know when it took place. In other words, this teaching on the end of time, the end times, comes right before Jesus is arrested. Chapter 24 and 25 come together, the parables. At the end of the parables, then you have the story of the arrest of Jesus and all that took place on that day when he's arrested and taken to the cross. That tells me that Jesus is giving something to his disciples that were very important for them to know and to hear just before he's gone. He doesn't put this out there in his early ministry. He doesn't put this out there to everybody else. He is speaking specifically here to his disciples. That's why I highlighted that word privately. The disciples came to him privately Now, that doesn't mean that Jesus did not not want anybody else to hear that. But this conversation took place because the disciples were asking Jesus about the end of time and what was going to happen. And Jesus spoke to them privately. Matthew wrote it down and recorded it. It's found in our Bibles. But Jesus is teaching about the end times first privately to his disciples. It was important that they know it and they get it and they understand it. Soon, Jesus will be crucified, resurrected, and ascended to heaven. I mean, very soon. And then the disciples are going to be the one to take the story and the witness and and all the, the truth to the rest of the world. So Jesus answers the question, when will this happen? And probably the major question in Matthew chapter 24 is when this will happen. Jesus gives us a few of the details and events, But the book of Revelation is where God gives us almost everything we have about the end times. There are a couple other references, 1 Thessalonians and 1 Corinthians chapter 15. But Revelation will be the detailed book about the second coming of Christ. But Jesus tells us here about the second coming. There will be many deceptions. That's another thing you read from the words of Jesus. There will be many deceivers. And throughout the rest of the New Testament, you have references to the Antichrist. 1 John, like I said, Thessalonians, Peter. You have references to the tribulation that the the people will be going through. That's another word that we find uh, described later in the New Testament. Tribulation. Which tribulation? To whom is Jesus and Paul and then the book of Revelation referring to? These are things that are a part of the context of Matthew chapter 24 that's important to study and I'd like for us to be able to look at over time. And then the thing today that I want to emphasize the most about what Matthew chapter twenty-four tells us about the end times is the timing of the end times. It almost seems that seems repetitive. I wanna I want us to think about the suddenness of the end times. We get the suddenness from many places in the New Testament about the second coming, certainly the book of Revelation. But there are other passages and references to how quickly things are going to change. And that's one thing that Jesus seems to emphasize in Matthew chapter 24, and I'm going to read some of those. When it happens, when the rapture takes place, there will be a change so extreme. I mean, it will be extreme, and we'll read a little bit later about as it was with the flood in Noah's day. It will be an event that's going to be absolutely uh, changing to the world. And it will be sudden. You know, I've had people kind of think, say, it's never going to happen, never has. You know, that's, what, that's the way big events happen. There's a day and a moment, a year, a decade, that Jesus is coming back in the rapture. And we don't know when but it will be very, very, very sudden and unexpected. I mean, when Jesus comes back, there will be such an amazing change of our world. God's people will be taken in the rapture. And we'll talk more about that another time. First Corinthians calls it a twinkling of an eye. A twinkling of an eye. you know that The average person blinks, listen to this, 20,000 times a day, an average person I read. I I can't believe that. I read that, and then I read how often we blink, and I multiplied it out, and I thought, well, that's about it. 20,000 times a day. And can you imagine that on one of those blinks, Jesus is coming back. Is that what a blink is? Wow. 2,700th of a second. Watch this little 30 second video, would you? Can you imagine with me this morning, 20,000 times a day, and in one of those, 1 Corinthians tells us, Paul writes, Jesus will be back. And everything, everything will be changed. And then that starts this time period of the end times. The rapture is not the same as the end times. Sometimes those terms kind of get... The rapture is going to take place before or as the opening of the end times. However you want to describe it. But the rapture comes first. In a blink of an eye... In an instant. Now, listen to verse 42 of chapter 24. And I'm going to read several of these references. Verse 42 says, Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. That's number one. What does Jesus tell us about the rapture? Keep watch. Keep watch. He wants us. To be watching. He wants us to be living a certain way. He wants us to be aware that He's coming back. In fact, one of the two, one and a half of the parables that comes next is about watching and being ready for when He comes back. Therefore, keep watch. Matthew 24 also speaks to the, the timing of the rapture and later the end times. The end times will come as the events described in the book of Revelation take place. And they are amazing and mysterious and full of questions and just a tremendous thing to study. That's later. But I want to say today, the rapture could take place now, today, at this moment. There is nothing else that I can find in Scripture And I've been trying to study and read some of these things. And you can too, and many of you have. There's nothing else that needs to happen before the rapture in our world. I've read a lot of thoughts and input and ideas about it. I don't think there's a single thing out there that needs to take place before the rapture. There's nothing that hasn't been done yet that's referred to in Scripture. I don't think, at least as I read it. There's no reason why God, that I know of, there's no reason why God is waiting other than it's God's decision and God's choice. But someday, there'll be the blink of an eye and it will all change. At the last trumpet. I don't think there's anything else that needs to happen before the rapture. And as we read, in the days of Noah... This is what Jesus said here. (coughs) This isn't me pulling in Noah. This is what Jesus said when he was talking about the timing. Verse 37. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage. Up to the day Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away this is how it will be at the coming of the son of man two will be in the field one will be taken and the other left two women will be grinding grinding with a handmill one will be taken and the other left and so we wonder god what are you waiting for there's nothing else to be done and i wonder when i think about that why god waits why God, as some people say, tarries about coming? Um, and I wondered, could it be could it be that God the Father has not decided yet? I've been wondering, is that possible? And I'm going to read you a scripture that's going to help us to understand and see that. In verse 36, it says. But about that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. That day or hour, no one knows. No human being knows. And I'll just say this is something that I've had a bee in my bonnet since I've been a pastor. I have very little respect for people that say they know when Jesus is coming back. Well, that might be an overstatement. Jesus is so clear about this that we need to to not be obsessed with when it is. We need to be obsessed with how He wants us to live. That day or hour, no one knows. And not just nobody knows, not even the angels in heaven. And then, nor the sun. Somehow, this mysterious time event, not even Jesus knew or knows When He's coming back. And that's a mind-boggling thing for a couple of theological reasons. How could the Son not know everything? We know Jesus is fully God. He knows everything. I'm not sure, but Jesus said it here. Not even the Son knows. The only thing I can think of is God hasn't decided yet, the Father. I'm not sure about that. But for whatever reason, God the Father is waiting and He's the only one that will choose. Will choose the moment that it happens. It was God the Father that chose when the rain started in Noah's day. And there was a day. I don't know which day on the calendar. I know some people have gone back and think they know it. it. was this month and year and, you know, it's possible. But of the day of Jesus' return, no one knows. What we read about the end times is given to us to help us to live today how God wants us to. Again, to live today how God wants us to. Verse 44. Who then is the... I'm sorry. So you also must be ready because the Son of Man will come in an hour when you do not expect Him. Again, repetitively, Jesus saying it again. What we read about the end times is given to us to help us to live today the way that God wants us to. I believe that's what God wants us to focus on when we study prophecy in the end times. God, what do you want me to do today? How do you want me to live? In closing this morning, I want to mention again these four parables. One of the reasons I wanted to, 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 uh, to open this series is I want to give you some weeks to read those four parables. I think the four parables are so key to understanding the heart of God about the end times. And so I want to encourage you to spend time in those four parables in the weeks ahead. All about how we should live today. Every one of those parables are about how we should live. Being faithful. Being a faithful servant. Using our talents how God wants us to. All of these things that are listed, these, these uh, parables are about being serving others. Using our time wisely. Caring for the needy. Being compassionate to other people. All of these are about being faithful. The ten virgins... Being ready for when the Master calls. All of them about serving, servanthood, compassion, caring. Jesus is telling us how He wants us to be ready when He comes back. If you want to know why the end times are key to the church, I would say focus on these four parables that we find in this Scripture. They are powerful. They are beautiful. Would you stand as we pray? Dear Jesus, I thank you for your incredible words in Matthew chapter 24 and 25. God, I, I believe that they incredibly help us to understand things about the future that are so important. And Lord God, that you help us to focus on the things that you want us to. I know that all of us, all of us have questions and we we ponder when and how it's going to happen, and there's nothing wrong with that, God. I, I know that's how you made us us to be curious and to want to know. And God, I I didn't mean to to sound like it's wrong to to speculate, but God, help us to keep the focus where where you want it to be, on how we live, how the ten virgins needed to be prepared, how the servant needed to take the talents that was given to him and go out and use them for you. God, help us to be focused on the right things of the end times and to seek You with all that we are, that we would be the church that You call us to be, I pray. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Thank You so much for being with us.